Hello and welcome back to Warrior Walker. We're so glad you joined us. We hope you're safe and if you're not, please contact the National Center for Domestic Violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. Well, today's topic is on alienation and as always, I'm sharing from my own experience primarily. Not uh, to... cause or desire to cause anyone to feel sorry for me, but to hopefully help you navigate through what you may be going through or what a loved one may be going through. And today I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to discuss the topic of alienation. A couple of years ago, two or three years ago now, um, my now estranged son made a comment today that not today, made a comment to me that uh, actually haunted me for a long time, just really bothered me. And he said to me, and I can still hear these words ringing in my ears, you alienated every single one of your family members. And, you know, um, like I said in the episode entitled The Blame Game. I felt very blamed when he said that. Um, But again, that's his perception. And quite clearly and quite obviously, he has spoken to my family members and gotten their side of the story as well. And so clearly, he's made a choice to believe their side of the story. So this comment kind of haunted me and just really, really bothered me. And I had a chance and an opportunity to really self-reflect, especially on this particular aspect and and this particular comment my son had made to me. And I'm always trying to grow and learn, uh, both in my professional life as a teacher and educator and in my personal life. And um, unfortunately, um, as an abuse victim in the past, and I shared before that I used to blame myself for literally everything, even stuff that I was literally hundreds of miles away for and couldn't possibly have had absolutely anything to do with, I would still blame myself. And I did that for a long time, for many, many years. And it was just something I was accustomed to. Growing up, I kind of learned that everything was my fault. No matter whose fault it actually was, I just kind of took the blame for everything and everybody would just blame me. And like I've shared before on these podcast episodes, I was the scapegoat. And so my natural inclination and my natural tendency was to believe what my son said, that I had alienated every single family member. And I'm not sure exactly what he meant by that because he never really explained it to me and we never really got an opportunity to discuss that. Um, I would love to know what exactly he meant by that comment. Like, where was that coming from? Why does, you know, why did he think that or why does he think that? Um, But we never got the opportunity to discuss that, or at least not yet to this point. Maybe someday he'll share with me where he was coming from with that comment and why he said that, why he thought that, or why he believed that, um, or thought the way he did, I don't know. Um, But, you know, my first inclination was to believe him. 
oh my gosh, it's all my fault that none of my family speaks to me. Uh, one thing that crossed my mind was, was he referring to the day that I finally um, took a huge step and, in my opinion, got healthier um, with my relationships and decided to stop allowing my extended family members to scapegoat me for practically everything. And I've mentioned this before in other podcast episodes also, the day that I basically said to all my family members, I really need you to treat me with respect for my own mental and emotional health. And if you can't do that, I can't be around you anymore. And this was all my idea to say this, but when I shared it with my counselor at the time that I had done that, my counselor told me that she was proud of me. Um, because my counselor knew, like, I just, I used to have, I just used to be filled with so much guilt. And as you know, guilt and condemnation are not from God. Conviction is, but guilt and condemnation are not from God. And, you know, I just, when my son said that to me, my first knee-jerk immediate instinct and emotional reaction beneath the surface, under the surface was, yeah, he's right. I alienated everyone. And um, again, those old habits of thinking and negative thought patterns toward myself cr started creeping in and, and came back immediately. Like, oh, yep, everything's all my fault. And it's weird how your brain just becomes conditioned to just like think everything's all your fault, no matter what, like whether it has even anything to do with you or not. And so, of course, when he said that, immediately I start questioning myself. First, I believe it. Yep, yep, he's right. It's all my fault. Everything's all my fault. It's always all my fault. And I actually really believe that. But thankfully, I had started and begun getting a lot healthier, um, you know, before that point. And so I was able to recognize what I was doing, thank God, and be like, now, wait a minute. And so, um, you know, I basically learned to be self-sufficient because especially as an adult, really neither side of my family was ever, ever there for me. Um, my dad, for the most part, he was busy with his ex-wife, uh, my stepmother and his children that he had with her. And my mother moved far away to another state with my other two sisters, her other two daughters. And I mean, she would talk to me occasionally, but that was it. Like, other than that, there was no contact from her. So I was basically left on my own, which wasn't that much different from my childhood. But, you know, I started praying and thinking and reflecting on myself and like, you know, did I really alienate my family? And what I realized was, no, I actually did not. And, you know, I, one of my faults is I am honest to a fault. And sometimes that gets me in trouble, you know, like, for example, in a professional situation, a lot of times people don't see being that honest as professional. So that's what I mean by sometimes my honesty to a fault can get me into trouble because most people aren't that honest. I mean, 
let's just be real. And um, it's really hard being this way. I love now who I am and who God made me to be. Very honest, tell the truth, prophetess, try to speak in love as much as possible. And the older I get, the more I learn, you know, to be sensitive and understanding and compassionate as I'm speaking the truth in love. But it's honestly a really lonely road because most people are not this way. Most people are polite and don't really say their true feelings because they don't want to hurt your feelings. And, you know, while I try not to hurt people's feelings, I'm, you know, even even my students have all noticed over the years that I'm really genuine and authentic. And, you know, I wear my I wear my mistakes on my sleeves, so to speak. You know, I'm just real. And if I make a mistake, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't have a problem with apologizing, you know, and uh, most teachers that I know of, they don't usually apologize, especially to students. And that's kind of something that you're generally speaking as a teacher deterred from doing. But you know, I try to be my real, genuine, authentic self as much as possible wherever I go. Obviously, I, you know, my number one struggle, as I've shared in the past in my podcast episodes, is my mouth. And, you know, I still struggle with that. Uh, although I feel like I've gotten a lot better about it, that's still a struggle for me. And I feel like it always will be. Like, especially bad words. And, especially when I'm around it, it just makes me like, I'm so used to it, accustomed to it. It's the way I grew up. You know, my mom cussed like a sailor (laughs) or worse. (laughs) And I just, it's just been a habit for so many years. I've prayed and prayed and prayed. I've, you know, gone up for deliverance and everything else. And it's just something that even, you know, prayer leaders and warriors, other warriors have also told me, you know, it's okay. Don't get discouraged. It's sort of like my thorn in the flesh, like Paul's thorn in the flesh, so to speak. Um, okay. I'm a little off topic here, but not too badly. (laughs) So it's just, it's really hard. So I try to be genuine, authentic, and real and vulnerable wherever I go. And, you know, if I make a mistake or I say, or do something wrong, I will apologize almost immediately. And, um, I have to be calmed down for it to be, you know, sincere. Um, But it's given me a reputation in a good way among like teenagers because, you know, they understand that everyone makes mistakes and they tend to be a lot more forgiving than adults, generally speaking. Um, But it's caused issues among adults because especially the professional world, I don't know, I Adults are kind of fake most of the time. And I call it being polite. And I honestly can't stand that. You know, I would rather someone come to me and have a conversation with me, even if they're in the wrong, even if it hurts me, I'd rather have honesty because to me, that's a form of integrity. That is integrity. And um, even if it hurts, I'd rather have the truth because then, you know, you can build that relationship, Uh, especially in your personal relationships, you know, whether it's a friendship or an intimate relationship or partner relationship or whatever kind of relationship it is. um, Honesty is what makes the best relationships, in my opinion, because 
that truthfulness and that vulnerability, even if two people disagree on something, is what I believe allows you to grow. You know, and of course, we want to keep in mind our faith in Christ as we do that. So, um, like I said, it's it's a really kind of a really lonely road, uh, my personality. And I'm not trying to get anybody to feel sorry for me. I'm just being very blunt and explicit. And um, it's okay. I've I've made peace with it. But, you know, I guess I did resent for a long time and maybe still do deep down a little bit that my parents just weren't there for me. Um, both as a child growing up and especially as an adult. And I've, I've shared before, you know, um, some of the ways in which my father especially was there for me, which I really didn't realize until I became an adult, but I'm talking more emotionally speaking, um, you know, not so much the physical, you know, and so my family really is the one who alienated, they are the ones who alienated me and not the other way around. And I say this after a lot of reflection, um, a lot of time of, of reflecting on myself. Did I alienate my family? Maybe a little bit um, and a lot of prayer, but no, I, I cannot take accept responsibility for that. Did I make mistakes? Yes, absolutely. Do I regret some of the mistakes I make? Yes, absolutely. But, you know, my family alienated me primarily by not being there for me when I was a child. And, you know, that's neglect. That is a form of neglect. Um, I felt like neither of my parents were there for me growing up, uh, emotionally speaking. Like, I feel like they tried their best, both of them tried their best, but I personally believe that my mom just wasn't emotionally mature enough. And I kind of think she's still not, to be honest. Like she's got, she's grown in some ways, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but I have always felt like the parent with her. Um, with budgeting, with relationships, with cleaning, pretty much you name it. I was always the mature one in the relationship with my mother and me. Um, you know, and, and even with relationships, like she would, uh, you know, have boyfriends all the time and different men that she slept with. And, you know, I, I was the mature one having morals and values and, you know, wanting to wait till I was married um, to keep my virginity and save that for my future husband. And I just felt like I was always like the parent in the relationship since I was little, like five years old when my parents divorced, I, I was the one who had to be there for her. And I was the one who had to be strong for her. Um, and the, until my youngest sister, uh, was born and then she kind of eventually took over when she was old enough but I mean she was mom's favorite and my sister on my dad's side was and still is my dad's favorite which is fine I mean as parents we technically shouldn't have favorites I think maybe my one son thinks that my other son is my favorite but I've I actually never had a favorite 
I'm not going to lie. Now I prefer how one of them treats me over how the other one treats me. But that doesn't mean that, you know, one of them is my favorite. I like how one treats me better, but, um, but I love them both the same and I value them both the same, even though they're completely opposite personalities. But my parents clearly had favorites, both of them, and still do for that matter, both of them. And so, you know, uh, my parents pretty much alienated me um, as a child and even into adulthood, into my adulthood. Um, just the fact that I was left to raise my children by myself on my own. Um, they hardly ever visited me, hardly ever called me. I was usually the one reaching out to them if anyone did anything at all. Um, now not as much with my father and one of my sisters on my father's side. Um, but they would only reach out to me for, one of the birthdays of my children and for holidays, either Thanksgiving or Christmas or both. But the rest of the year, I pretty much never heard from them or saw them unless I initiated contact. And you know, after a while, you get tired of that. I remember one time my maternal grandmother said to me, well, you never call me, which wasn't true. It wasn't very often, but it wasn't never. And she said, well, you never call me. And I looked at her and I said, Grandma, the phone goes both ways. And oh, she was so mad because, you know, I had called her out. Um, so, you know, it's funny how people have different perspectives. Like, and it was really ironic, I guess, to me that my maternal grandmother was upset and resenting me for not having called her. She could have picked up the phone and called me anytime. And the truth is, I even went to visit her even after she moved to another state and moved into assisted living. And when I went there to visit her, she actually accused me of only coming because there was a pool where my boys could, you know, and accused me um, and, and accused me of coming because she had money. <laughs> wow. Just wow. Like I came because I cared about her, you know, and in spite of how she treated me. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, and, and, um, excuse me, uh, the fact that, you know, I was left as an adult, I, I understand it's my job to raise my own children because I'm the parent. I'm not saying that, but like, and I always get accused of being jealous. I wasn't jealous. I just think it's pretty crappy to treat a child this way. That's all. But when my sister had children, my father and his ex-wife were there every single weekend, just about, and they got really close with her kids. But with my kids, I was just kind of left to fend for myself. And we were both adults, my sister and I. So to this day, they have a really close relationship. And then when my sister had her kids, she kind of treated me like the plague, 
you know, and like she was trying to protect her children from me. And I really don't get that. Like she's told me before she has issues with me. I honestly have no clue what those issues are. Um, you know, I, I mentioned one time the whole cleaning the toilet thing, but like, to me, that's really petty. Like if you're going to be upset over that, that's ridiculous. Like I understand feelings are valid and, and I'm, I would never say that her feelings are invalid, but I don't think that's something that you should hold a grudge on for your whole life. In fact, we shouldn't gr hold grudges at all, but we can't control people. But like, I don't know. I just feel like they look for excuses to be mad at me. Honestly, they just find ways. And like, if they get mad, let's take it out on, you know, and it's ridiculous. And then if I say that, I'm told that I'm trying to play the victim. Trust me, there's nothing I would be happier than than not having to feel like this is how they see me and this is how they view me and this is how they treat me. But, you know, my parents and my siblings are the ones who alienated me, not the other way around. They didn't discuss things with me. They weren't there for me. They didn't try to build relationships with me and my children. Um, so, you know, I finally had to come to the realization okay, it is not all my fault. Because that's where my mind immediately goes. Oh my gosh, I'm such a horrible person. It's all my fault. And I just like beat myself up. Well, I used to. I don't do that anymore. But I did reflect on what my son said. Did I really alienate my family? And the answer is no. For the most part, I did not. For the most part, my family alienated me. I literally knew instinctively that I had to survive on my own. In fact, when I finally um, left my abusive ex-husband, I knew it was going to be a financial struggle. And I asked my father if the boys and I, if my sons and I could move in with him. And he said no. And I understand why he did that because he wanted me to learn to cope on my own, but everybody needs a little help once in a while. And I think that he should have said yes. Um, now that I'm older, I also understand that it would have created an even worse dynamic with his ex-wife to whom he was still married at that time. Um, but they could have, he could have offered us temporary shelter and he was family. So he wasn't there for me. And um, it forced me, as always, to rely on myself because he wasn't there for me. And my mother was really far away. And my mother kept trying to get me to move to the state where she had moved. But I had a family. I couldn't just uproot everyone and move to her state. And, you know, she was in another state. So my mother gifts are really super important to her, to my father, too. My father's big on Christmas or he he used to be. Now he has a new girlfriend and we don't even see him for Christmas because they're off in a warm sunshine state during the holidays. So but he used to be big time Christmas. Nobody was allowed to miss Christmas and everybody was required to you know, give really expensive gifts. And, you know, it was all about the gift giving. And I understand some people's love language is gift giving, but that's also extremely materialistic, you know? 
And my mother, she's huge on gift giving and receiving also. But when she moved away to the other state, it's pretty much like I didn't exist anymore. She had her two daughters besides me, and I was kind of history for the most part. But I was the one over all the years when I became an adult, I was the one keeping in contact with the other with everyone. I was the one calling people. I was the one calling everybody on their birthdays. I would always sing happy birthday, you know. Um, we would get a card in the mail for our birthdays with a gift card in it. And my dad still does that to this day. To his credit, that's something, right? Um, and my dad and my mom both will usually call me on my birthday. But that's pretty much all I hear from them. Like, I pretty much instinctive, I instinctively know I'm on my own. And I've known that for many, many years. Um, so, in answer to my son's question from two or three years ago, well, it wasn't really a question. It was a statement, an accusation. And he said, you alienated every single one of your family members. Uh, yeah, probably I did. But they alienated me first, and not just once or twice, but like for literally years upon years upon years. And I knew instinctively from the way they treated me and the way they ignored me and neglected me that I was on my own. Um, even as a child, you know, I knew instinctively. My mom was a single mother. She was working all the time or out having a party with whatever man she happened to be with at the time. And by having a party, I mean, you know, celebrating, spending time with. I knew I was on my own. I mean, I pretty much raised myself and my little sister until I moved in with my dad. You know, and then when I moved in with my dad, I knew I was on my own because my stepmom was all about her kids and to this day still doesn't care about me. One iota. When she divorced my father, she literally disappeared from my life and my children's lives. I guess they see her again now when they go visit my sister, but, like, she just completely disappeared without a word to any of the three of us. So, you know, um, and, and my one sister, she deliberately told me half an hour late for her wedding so that I wouldn't be in the family photographs. That's pretty... Like, who does that? That's super low. Um, like, that, you know, I'm a Christian, so I have to forgive. But to me, if I weren't a Christian, that's unforgivable. Like, you don't do stuff like that. I've never heard of that. What could I possibly have ever done to her for her to do that, you know? So that's, she alienated me. Um and, you know, um, my youngest sister on my mom's side, uh, when I went for my other sister's funeral years ago to the state where they lived in and had lived for several years, they've since moved back to my state. Um, but when I went there, you know, she was in her early 30s at the time, age-wise, and she confessed to me and told me that she'd been holding, a, she didn't call it this, but she'd been holding a grudge since against me since she was 16 years old. And apparently I called her the B word. Like, I, how, 
Who does that? Who holds a grudge for that many years for one word? I bet she called me a name too, but I don't remember because why? That's so many years ago. Plus, like God's given me this amazing ability to forgive people, which isn't always the healthiest thing for me, you know? I mean, it's good to forgive people because it releases you from that bitterness. But then, you know, it sometimes has caused me in the past to establish unhealthy or actually more accurately to lack healthy boundaries and people would think they could walk all over me. You know, I've had to get tougher over the years. So, you know, if, if me getting healthier and not allowing people to disrespect me, if you think that's alienating my family members, well, then I guess I'm guilty of that because I'm not going to allow that anymore, you know? Um, especially professionally, I'm used to being treated with respect and doing my best to treat people with respect. And that's what I expect now. There's no reason to not treat anyone with respect. Um, and I don't understand why my family treated me with such a lack of respect and neglect and just not caring about me. You know, and uh, I, I I don't have tears for it anymore because it's just a fact of life that I've had to learn to accept, you know, and, and I, I don't feel, I don't even feel badly about it anymore, to be honest, because it's been so long, like it's pretty much been my whole life. It's been like this. It's, it's what I know. I know instinctively, intuitively, and spiritually that it's wrong you know, how I've been treated, but A, I've forgiven them because, you know, I know the Bible says if I don't forgive, I won't be forgiven. Plus, I I can't change them. You know, we can't change people. Um, People have their own free will. And, you know, I know I make mistakes too. I know I, you know, need forgiveness sometimes too. You know, sometimes I get angry and I say things I don't mean or I say things that could be hurtful to someone. Um, So I know I deserve forgiveness, too. And number four, I'm no better than they are. I'm no better than anyone else. I have issues, too. We all have issues. So, you know, have I alienated my family members? Maybe a little, but I mean, they alienated me first. And I'm not saying it's revenge. I hate when people say that, but I'm just saying like, they didn't really give me a choice. You know, when people alienate you, when people uh, neglect you and um, kind of just ignore you and aren't a part of your life for many, many, many years, you get used to it. You don't have a choice. You can't force people to love you. You can't force people to care about you like they're supposed to. You know, your parents are supposed to care about you. Your parents are supposed to love you. Your parents are supposed to provide that support for you. And I don't know, maybe my parents just saw me as a really strong, independent person, but I was only that because I had to be. Like, I didn't have a choice, you know, um, because I had to rely on myself. And, you know, I, I like being independent, but. It would have been nice to have someone, you know, 
be close with me and my children when I had them. You know, it would have been nice to have that support. I would have loved to have grandma and grandpa around the way my sister did. I'm ha I'm not jealous, but it's wrong that they weren't there for me. You know, it's morally wrong. I don't care what you believe. I don't care whether you're a Christian or not. You know, family should be there for each other. And um, they weren't there for me. I, I was literally left on my own. Which also allowed for me to be abused, you know, because if they'd been there and involved, more involved in our lives, it the abuse wouldn't have been as easy to cover up and hide. Now, I'm not saying the abuse was their fault. I'm just saying it could have uh, been a little harder to hide uh, because obviously it's not their fault because the abuser makes the choice to, to abuse. But, you know, I never really thought of myself as neglected until I started reflecting on this question, my or this question, this accusation my son made toward me. You alienated every single one of your family members, man, but it's not true. And that was a lie. The devil used my son to speak to me. That's a lie. That's a total lie from the pit of hell. The truth is I'm not the one who alienated my family members. My family alienated me. And since I was little, since I was young, and especially and even into adulthood, they weren't there for me when I was raising my children. They weren't there for me when I was being abused. You know, they, they weren't there for me, period. Once or twice a year on holidays, that was it. And I was always the one reaching out to them, not the other way around. And, you know, a few years ago, I actually kind of did a test. Because I literally, for years and years and years, like I said, was the only one reaching out to my family. I was the only one initiating contact. And so I did a test and I decided, I had this thought, hmm, I wonder if I don't initiate contact, if I'll hear from any of my family members. So I stopped initiating contact. Guess what? The only one I heard from the only one who initiated contact from me, uh, the only, I'm sorry, the only one who initiated contact with me was my father. The only one, not even my own mother. <laughs> that was extremely revealing. <laughs> and, um, you know, my experiment worked. And I'll be honest, I stopped contacting my family members after that. And it's because of that, that, I will rarely contact, um, I, I actually don't contact anyone in my family anymore, except occasionally I will contact my father and occasionally he'll contact me, but it's still like not like we're not close like we should be, you know? Um, so no, to answer my son's accusation, no, I did not alienate every single one of my family members. Uh, did I say things that probably upset them? Absolutely. And they said, did they say things that probably upset me? Absolutely. And probably way more, not that it's a competition, but I just, you know, most of the time let it go. And one more thing, I am the one in both sides of my family who actually tries to address issues in a healthy manner. 
most of my father's side of the family just avoids everything like the plague. And if I do get someone to discuss anything, it's all blamed on me and I'm scapegoated. So it kind of made me just shut down and not even talk to them about anything anymore because it's very toxic and unhealthy. And my mom's side of the family, oh my gosh, uh, they're such emotional women and there's nothing wrong with being emotional, but I'm just not like I have emotions and I've developed them over the years, but I just, I'm more of a logical person. I care about people a lot, but I, I don't, like, I don't get emotional. Like, uh, the um, it just, I was exhausted living with my mother, bless her heart, because her emotions were just all over the place, you know? And I actually felt badly for her because that's not normal. I think she may have had some mental you know, she may have some mental illness that, you know, she was never diagnosed with. Because back then, even when I was growing up, they didn't, they didn't diagnose you with this stuff. So again, in answer, no, I'm not the one who alienated my family. My family alienated me. And, uh, you know, I just reacted how any human being would react um, when people who, when the people who are supposed to care about you and the people, when the people who are supposed to love and care about you don't even contact you to see if you're alive, I'm not exaggerating. I can't remember the last time I heard from my mother. Um, I, I, it, it was maybe last year, I'm guessing. Um, I sure can't remember the last time I heard from my brother. I know the last time I talked to my sister was when I asked her to tell my father about the fact that I had discovered that we have another sister who was adopted out of the family. Um, and she yelled at me and blamed me for it as if I had anything to do with it. <laughs> That's the last time I talked to my sister. Um, or maybe the last time, I don't know which one was first, or maybe the last time I talked to my sister was when... I asked her to talk to my estranged son. That might be the last. I don't know. They were pretty close to this, to around the same time. Um, because he went to her place for Christmas instead of mine. <laughs> Unbeknownst to her, supposedly. I can't remember the last time I spoke with my brother. But I remember the last thing he said to me. It was in a text message and he was mad at me which is stupid as all get out, and so unsupportive. This is a perfect example of what I mean by my family alienating me. I was upset because I was remembering the loss of my sister from my mom's side, and I had texted my, fam my whole family and, you know, said, I'm really struggling. I miss my sister who died. And my brother just flames me in a text message back telling me, you know, he didn't know her and why am I talking to him about her and yada, 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 yada. Oh my gosh, seriously? Like, you can't offer me a word of compassion? He probably offers complete strangers more compassion than he said to me. There was zero compassion whatsoever. In fact, he was attacking me. Like, and then he started claiming how I never call him and all this stuff. 
that's absolutely not true. He never called me. I would call him occasionally, and I literally never heard from him. But, you know, my brother, for whatever reason, has kind of a chip on his shoulder against Christians, and I'm a Christian, so I think that's a lot of what it is. I think my family kind of kicked me out of their lives because I walk the Christian walk. And I remember my, um, which is really sad, and I remember my sister one time telling me that she was really jealous of my Christian friends. And I told, I explained to her, I said, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, I didn't have my family. My family didn't pay attention to me. My family wasn't there for me. So I had to find somebody. I had to have somebody in my life who cared about me. And it became my Christian friends from church. You know, um, I think she told me she understood at the time, but I, I don't know. And of course, her husband's an atheist, so he hates my guts, <laughs> um, which is weird because he and I are around the same age. And other than our religious beliefs, um, you know, his parents are one's Catholic, one's Jewish. But other than our religious beliefs, uh, he and I, we have a lot of the same processes. So I thought processes. So I really don't understand why he hates my guts except for the fact that I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, you know, and my mom and my sisters on her side of the family, they're um, supposedly Christians, but like I said, they're so emotional and very unforgiving. Even my mom, she still holds a grudge toward me because she thinks everything's my fault from, I've shared with you on the podcast before, um, when I was 15 and I went to live with my dad, she still doesn't understand. She never got it that it was her fault for abandoning us. Like she's never, talk about narcissism, <laughs> but she's never gotten that. And, um, you know, I prayed for years that God would help her understand and see that in, you know, I tried to reconcile with my mother, but um, for me, the last straw was when she threw up in my face that my son came to spend thanks, my estranged son came to spend Thanksgiving with her and not with me. That was my, that was my, that was my final blow, my last straw. That was when I stopped talking to my mom. You know, I even forgave my mom for committing fraud against me. But when, she, when she said that to me about my son, that was it. I was done. Um, I don't know. I'm a mama bear and there's something in me that you don't say anything bad about my children, you know? And she was deliberately trying to hurt me. I couldn't believe it. My own mother, like what the heck, <laughs> you know? Oh, well, he came to spend Thanksgiving with me. No, that's just, and at, at first I was like, and, and she gave me this fake, oh, I don't want to hurt you. And then I realized, at first I was like, no, I understand. And then I thought about it. I'm like, wait a minute. She did that deliberately to hurt me. Like, I'm just so naive sometimes, you know. I don't think about, you know, I think everybody's good. And I don't know why, because, you know, it's clear that not everybody has good intentions. Um, so, no, I, I did not alienate my family. My family alienated me. 
you know, and I was blaming myself for years. And I've been to multiple counselors over the years because of all the issues that I had growing up and even into adulthood and, and my abusive marriage. And every single counselor has told me the same thing. I blamed myself so hard. Um, I kept saying to the counselors, I'm the common denominator. I kept saying, none of my family members speaks to me. And the only thing is, I'm the common denominator. And then when my son went no contact and estranged himself from me, oh my gosh, that just kind of put me over the edge. And I really struggled for a while. And this was a while back, a couple of years ago at least. And I was actually having suicidal thoughts. I, I would never go through with it, but I was having suicidal thoughts. And I've shared that on another podcast episode here before. But um, but when my son alienated himself from me, that's when I really began to question myself and was like telling my counselors, I'm, I'm the common denominator. What's wrong with me? And every single counselor kept telling me, it's not you, Gwenna. Your family is toxic. And I'm like, what? My whole family? How can that even be possible? They're like, it's possible. Unfortunately, it's possible. And I'm like, okay. And and so it just like, because I felt like the world's worst person, you know, because my family hates me. Like, they hate me. <laughs> um, you know, I think my dad, I think he loves me, but, like, I don't think he really likes me, <laughs> to be honest. But my sister hates me. My brother hates me. My other sister hates me. I think my mom even hates me. You know, my son hates me. One son. The other son and I... Um, thankfully are pretty close still. I'm very grateful for him, but you know, and, and it's really hard to have all your family members hating you. And I had to realize and come to the realization that they hate me because I'm a Christ follower. Yes. I've said things I shouldn't have said, but so have they, you know? So why do I always have to be the one to accept the blame? The answer is I don't, you know? And I've said to my counselors for years, I'm the only one in the family who isn't forgiven. I'm the only one in the family on both sides. I'm the only one in the family who isn't forgiven. I'm the only one in the family who's expected to be perfect. But the problem is, and I think what they don't realize is, being a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. And I tell everybody, the truth is, there's only one difference between a Christian and somebody who's not a Christian. And that difference is that a Christian has accepted Jesus' free gift of eternal life. And I truly think that's why they hate me. Yes, I've made mistakes, but so have they. I've said things I shouldn't have said, but so have they. You know? So they forgive each other. They reconcile with each other. My brother and my sister, they didn't get along for a long time. And my sister would badmouth my brother to me all the time. I never said a word to my brother. I stayed out of the middle of it. I would just listen to her, let her vent, and then move on and be along our merry ways. You know, but they reconciled. But I think because I'm a Christian, I'm the only one that my family members refused to reconcile with. And I think they expect me to be perfect, but I can't be perfect. Perfect. 
I try my hardest. But you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter six, I believe that perfectionism is a sin, you know, and I've spent my whole life trying to be perfect up till a few years ago when I realized that was unhealthy because everybody blamed me for everything. So I could never measure up. And no matter how hard I tried, it was never good enough. And I married right into that because that's what I was used to growing up. You know, and that's sometimes, you know, if you find yourself marrying into a situation, you might want to look at and reflect and analyze, you know, did you have this situation or something similar to it as a child or when you were growing up? Because a lot of times we marry into abuse uh, because we are familiar with the patterns of abuse and the dynamics of abuse, and we don't know anything different. And it's what is comfortable for us, even though it's awful. I know it sounds ironic and weird, but it's true. And so we're used to being abused so we can marry right into abuse because that's what we're used to. We're used to being blamed for everything. We're used to being the scapegoat. You know, we're used to being told everything's all our fault. We're used to, you know, and then you marry into abuse where you have this person brainwashing you and telling you that, you know, I'm the head of the household. The Bible says you have to do what I say which is not at all what the Bible says. It says, Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But did I alienate my family members? Maybe a little, but they actually alienated me. That's the truth. And I have to remember that because I will totally beat myself up about it. And that's not healthy for me. I can't be doing that anymore. You know, and my body is to the point where I've been, it's been reacting physically to all of this abuse and stress and neglect that I've experienced all my life. And I'm trying to get healthy here, you know, and um, as most of you probably know now, I'm a mental health coach and I am certified as a mental health coach and took these courses um, through Light University And so I've learned a lot and I'm very grateful. Um, I learned this stuff to try to help others, but in, and most of it, I already knew instinctively because of all I've gone through, but in learning this, it also helped me help myself and I've become healthier um, mentally and emotionally and even spiritually as well. And I know exactly what the Bible says now, and I know exactly how I was supposed to be treated and I wasn't. Somebody made a comment a few years ago that I was the redheaded stepchild. I didn't know what that expression meant, but now I know. And it was not only figuratively true with me, it was literally true. And I am a redhead. I've been a redhead. um, Well, I was born with jet black hair, but since I was little, I've been a redhead. Now I'm older and I'm not in the sunshine as much, much so my Hair looks more auburn slash brown now, although now it's turning white slowly. (laughs) But, um, you know, I've always been a redhead. So I was literally the redheaded stepchild. So if you don't know what that means, I guess Google it. (laughs) But um, again, in reflecting, I was not the one who alienated my family. They were the ones who alienated me. And 
you know, it's taken me years to accept that fact because I blamed myself for years. I accept full responsibility for the things I've said and done wrong. Um, I've asked for forgiveness and apologized everywhere I've been able to with everyone I've been able to. You know, I've done my part. There's nothing more I can do. I don't hate any of my family members. Um, I'm disappointed. Yes. I regret how I was treated. Yes. But I've forgiven them. You know, I can't do any less. I, I hold no bitterness in me. Um, do I wish things had been different? Absolutely. Of course. Obviously, yes. But I can't change the past. I can't change their mistakes any more than I can change my mistakes. And I most certainly made mistakes too. As I was trying to heal myself, as I myself was trying to heal, that sounds better, as I myself was trying to heal, more accurate, but as I myself was trying to heal, I did make several mistakes raising my own children, um, but I did my best and it was certainly a whole lot better than the way I was raised. You know, my children always knew I was there for them growing up. I don't know about now, um, but so I don't know if you can relate to any of this alienation topic or not, but if you have someone accusing you of this and you self-reflect, maybe they're right, but maybe they're wrong too, you know, and that's something only you can answer as you pray like I did, as you ask God to examine your heart like I did, um, you know, and, and don't let the devil condemn you through words that are spoken to you, if they're not true. Um, sometimes people's perceptions are completely off. You know, in a former job, a very toxic boss said to me, perception is everything. It doesn't matter what the truth is. It only matters what people's perceptions of you are. That is completely wrong, in my opinion. Yes, we want to be good representatives of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But, you know, if you're expecting a person to be perfect because they're, you're, they're a Christian, you don't understand what Christianity is. And, and that's understandable because the Bible tells us that those who are unsaved, their eyes are veiled. In other words, they can't understand. They can't. You can't understand until or unless you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then it's like your eyes are opened and a lot of things become clearer to you because you suddenly receive the gift and get the gift of the wisdom of God. You're still human, so you still struggle, you know, with temptation and with sin, you know, because Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, including me. Um, you know, I made mistakes with my family. I said things that hurt them. You know, I can't go back and change that. I accept full responsibility for it. I've forgiven myself. That's the hardest part. I've asked them to forgive me. I've apologized. I've done everything I possibly can. There's nothing more I can do. The ball's in their court. But I know I will no longer accept the blame for allegedly alienating them because I'm not the one who alienated them. They're the ones who alienated me. And for a long, long time, like I'm talking many, many years and years and years. So, but I've forgiven them. Now it's time they forgive me, but I can't force them to do that. But really, now it's time for them to act. 
And so all I can do is pray that one day they kind of see the light. Hopefully, they'll learn to love Jesus the way I do. And I do have hope because some of them are actually going to church when they didn't used to. And that's great news. I'm so happy for them. So hopefully, it's a church that will teach and preach having a relationship with Jesus Christ and not just, you know, going through the rituals like attending service, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, But thank you for listening. I hope this podcast has helped you somehow. Um, God has called me in vulnerability to share my story and my testimony and how God works in and through my life. And I hope that my family can one day realize and see Jesus through me because how I've treated them in spite of how they've treated me. That's my, my prayer. And I'm not saying they're horrible people, but for the most part, they have treated me horribly. So I hope this has blessed you. I hope you're safe. Um, I hope it helps you sort of analyze more if you're in an abusive situation, kind of how you got there. And if there were things in your growing up life or in your extended family life that maybe planted some sort of seed of abuse that you got used to abuse and you ended up married to an abusive person um, because this is about domestic violence, but the alienation part, um, you know, and then, you know, if you're being abused by your husband and you're not close to your family, a lot of times abusers will isolate you from your friends and family. And that's not healthy either. If your husband doesn't want you around your family, your friends, that's a huge like red flag. That's definitely a warning sign of potential abuse right there, possible abuse. So um, stay safe. Thank you for listening. I love you, but Jesus loves you more. Until next time, God bless you.